everybody. Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And she does mean as always, because, I mean, we do live in the same house, so yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are together as always, but I meant... <laughs> yeah, that's The true. Board Game Mechanics. Yikes. I did not have a lot of caffeine before the show, or dairy. I didn't either. I didn't have anything. I had a diet, well, Mountain Dew Zero. That was fun. That's Jason's new obsession is, is Mountain Dew Zero. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. It is better than Diet Mountain Dew. I'll give you that, but... It's like the greatest drink on the planet right now. I'd rather drink the hard stuff if I'm... Hard stuff, I'm going to have to actually drink it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That I mean, yes, I would rather have that, but... I'd also like to drink five cans a day. So yes, that's correct. Yes, and put on a thousand calories just in pop. Yeah, and I'm trying not to be like sound too depressed or whatever. But our kids, man, our kids had Friday off and Monday off, and it has been a long weekend. I gotta tell you, i and then I put them to bed, and my our youngest like slept over at my uh, sister's house last night, and she's like a raging psychopath. I mean, oh, <laughs> lordy. Psychopath is right. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and she needed to go to sleep, but she's like, I'm not tired. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and that's no exaggeration. It sounded exactly like that. <laughs> I feel like I had to physically wrestle her into the bed. Like, it would have been easier to put her in a sleeper hold to get her just to go to sleep <laughs> and shut up tonight. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it would be. But uh, you guys aren't tuning in to hear us talk about our kids, so. <laughs> nope. But one thing we will talk about for a couple more weeks is our promo code for Protospiel. That's right. So that promo code, in case you haven't been listening or you're new, is Riveted with a capital R. Um, you can go to their website, which is pinned at the top of our Facebook page. And if you do the week, I think it's the designer badge. Yeah, I think, I think it's designer badge. That's what you said last week. So yeah, I'm you get ten dollars right. off. Yeah, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but either way, just try to go to one of them, put in our code, and you'll get ten dollars off. So that's pretty cool. We're hoping to make it one day. Not making any promises because we have kids and they're crazy, and we just have other crazy stuff going on in our life. But we're going to try to be there for one day of this at least. Right, so if you have a prototype or you like to play prototype games, um, get to South Bend to Protospiel in February, and hopefully we'll see you there at least one day. All right, let's move on to news. I, since I've taken over the news segment, which is what I just decided is happening, <laughs> we have all kinds of news. <laughs> yeah, the news has never been so good. I mean... It was a pretty low bar before, but now the bar is like actually at like a decent level. You, you used to do better when you first started out, and then you kind of just... <laughs> I phoned it in, like you always said. You did phone it in. Um, uh. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is a game that actually fit one of the possible fan zeros. Definitely probably my biggest fan. Mike McCorney mentioned uh, a game on Kickstarter called Betwixt and Between, and that's by All or None Games. The art in this game is gorgeous. Um, it's a fairy-themed game, kind of. Uh, I guess, like, f that's, like, the fey world, or whatever is what it evolves around, for one to four players. And you play as, like, these different, like, 
magic users, I guess. And you go into the fairy world, you're drawing cards to get like these creatures and stuff that you encounter in this world. And they all have like these different like magic essences or something. They're really colored cubes. If I'm Jason explaining this. Yeah, I love cubes. (laughs) You get these colored cubes. They go on these tiles that have creatures on them and you lay them out on this board and then you put your player marker somewhere in it in like conjunction with them in order to collect the different like colored cubes to fill uh fulfill like some spell cards that you have and so like by casting spells you can like kind of level up your character and then you get more um like powers and then that's another way to get points so it's gorgeous like you can actually just even order books Um, either digital or hard copy of the artwork from the game, which I think is really cool. But if you wanted the game, it's $51 plus shipping. And if you want it today, today, before midnight, you've got to back it or you'll miss out on the Kickstarter. And that's Betwixt and Between. Uh, I was out on this, but then you said it had cubes and now I'm back in. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to back it. Let's get serious. But it does seem kind of neat, actually. I don't think they're nobles. So there's only like half of the things interest you in this. And there's no tracks that I know of. Yeah. All right, I'm back out. The second game is one that I just happened to get caught on on Kickstarter because I thought the theme was, like, ridiculously cool. And it's going to make me sound like a gruesome weirdo, I think. But the game is called Crimes in History, H.H. Holmes's Murder Castle. So, <laughs> the back... Yeah, it does, make, it does make you sound like a weirdo. You're right. She thinks. Um, well, you're married to me. So, guess what? You chose this weirdo for life. <laughs> Weirdo by association, I guess. That's right. <laughs> so, like, the theme behind this game is, like, kind of crazy. So, like, A.J. Holmes is obviously a really famous, like, serial killer um, from around, like, like during the World's Fair. And so the background to this is H.H. Holmes. Like, at one point, they believe he, like, killed this pharmacist and then took over the pharmacy. So he then used the pharmacy to help fund this, like, insurance scheme so that he could get money to, like, open this hotel. So the players are, like associates of this who they don't know as Holmes, this pharmacist that they feel is reputable who's opening this in so you help him put together this in but then like there's like trap doors that people fall into into the basement and you find corpses and whatever so they instead of calling it this like world's fair inn it's called murder castle so this is the katie splitting version of this game <laughs> It's for two to six players, and the two to six people are like, oh, crap, we helped Holmes develop a murder castle. We didn't know it was a murder castle, so we need to go in and collect evidence to exonerate ourselves to make sure we're not going to get busted for being accomplices, which I think is the most hilarious kind of premise of a game ever. Um, so in some ways, this reminds me kind of of Betrayal, um, House on Haunted Hill, or House on... Is that right? Yeah, 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 House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Okay. Betrayal House on the Hill. No, Betrayal House, House on the, the Hill. Hill. Yes. Okay. Which I don't like, but there's not like a backstabber traitor aspect in this because you like you can be mean, but you're using Holmes to do it. So it's like a modular board. There's all these room tiles that you get. So you're building the castle as you're playing it. Each tile, when you choose it, um, it's a particular action, but then there's like a special bonus that when you like if if I draw the action like, it's explore the room. I play the tile. But everybody gets to explore the room. But then there's a special little bonus action that because I chose that tile first, I get, I'm get i the only one that gets that. Um, so you're going through these rooms, um, finding evidence that's in, like, 
these vaults or safes in each room and putting them on like you have like a card that says you need three pieces of this type of evidence or you need like three blueprints and then three I don't know dead body parts I didn't really read that closely but you're collecting those evidence you've got player abilities shut up Uh, player abilities it seems really cool because then you're moving home like HH Holmes around like that he moving him is on an option um, so you can have him block somebody, um, when he like shows up in a room, he startles people and they can drop some evidence and, it, um, it stays in the room. They don't get to put it on their card. Um, and so what you're trying to do is collect all the evidence that you need on your player board and then make it to the pharmacy to get out. And that's how you win. It's by Blueprint Games. It sounds really cool and I would love it. Uh, Jason would never <laughs> let me back it. It's $49. For the game, um, plus shipping, and there are 18 days left. It seems like such a cool, fun, strange theme. So if you're into weird stuff like me, uh, check out Crimes and History, H.H. Holmes's Murder Castle. What are you talking about? This sounds amazing. I love Betrayal House on the Hill. It's like my favorite game. So this is definitely one I need to play. I feel like it takes the parts that I actually liked about Betrayal, which is like, okay, we're trying to like figure some stuff out and use my player ability. But it sounds like a lot better. Actually, if you like Betrayal, sorry, but I don't at all. I tried it twice. Three times. Yeah, I like I like the exploring the tiles part of Betrayal, but after that, I don't really care anymore. Yeah, so I feel like this is like, takes the little bit that's good out of that game and makes it better. Like, I really, I'm really into it. Cool. Okay. And the last one. I don't have a ton of information on it because um, Darling Keymaster Games is just kind of playing it close to the vest are just leaking out little bits but there's gonna be a parks expansion called nightfall uh we, yay. Yay. we just played parks again today and it was so good like it's just so cute and there's such i just really like the game it's fun it's soothing and i realize that it's still in pre-order soothing. it is it's soothing okay i i was a little keyed up when we played it today but normally i find it soothing um, there's going to, the year cards, which are kind of your in-game goals right now in the game, there's two, like there's two levels and you get a certain amount of points for each and that's it. Like, okay. If I visit five parks with sons, I get two points. If I visit seven parks with sons, I get three points in nightfall. They're going to have like open-ended goals. So, you know, two points for every park that has sons or whatever. That's just, a, I don't know if that's right. I'm just saying it's an open end. Yeah. It, so an open-ended kind of goal or, you know, one point for every park in a desert or something. I don't know what they're doing. Keymaster, if you're listening, these are all suggestions I have for you. Your priority is done, but I'm just saying. Yeah, if it's going to Kickstarter, they've got it done for sure. And um, then you can also, there's going to be opportunities somehow in the trail or something where you can get more than just one. Which right now in just the regular base game, you get one for the game and that's it. So I'm super excited about it because I really like parks and anything to add to that like would be amazing. So it's coming to Kickstarter in February. I uh, don't have an exact date yet, but we will definitely keep you posted. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, hopefully they'll send it to me. Dude, that would be awesome. And I can do a, a video. That would be awesome. Yeah. Keymaster, send me the expansion. Keymaster, we love you. All your games. All of them. I'm going to tag them in every post that I do, even if it's not Keymaster, just so they get the point. And then you'll annoy them, and then they'll never send us anything ever again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Let's move on from news. All right. So we are... 
going to be talking about some more gaming terms defined. So we've done a couple other segments on this the last past couple weeks. We did Builders, and then last week we did Dudes on a Map and Euro and all that good stuff. Um, So this week, we're going to talk about drafting and placement. So we have a couple different types of games in those two categories, and we will take off now. And Katie's going to start talking about at least one of the draftings. I don't know if she'll do both, but she's going to do one, and then we'll see what happens after that. I'm going to talk about both draftings, but before we get into that, I want I we need to coin the phrase. I started it, the gaming terms glossary. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you did. I put it in the notes for last week. I did. Gaming terms glossary trademarked. TM Katie Sandy Smith. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about card drafting. Card drafting drafting is you know a very popular mechanic. Um, so you're picking cards from kind of like a limited pool or like a subset of all the cards that exist in the game. And you're either you're, you're you'll get so I'll get a hand of five cards. I will then choose one from that limited group. And either because I want the advantage for myself in the game, like it has a power that's going to help me. Or because it's going to, I'm like, oh, I'm collecting a set of something and this is going to work towards my end goal, like objectives to give me points. And then you, the remaining cards either go back to the middle, go to someone else, whatever. And then you get a new limited pool of cards to then choose from. That's your basic card drafting. Um, The most popular, probably what everyone credits for the, an early kind of card drafting game is Seven Wonders. I do not like Seven Wonders uh, at all. So if I, my preferred intro card drafting game is Sushi Go. So I'm getting a hand of different types of sushi. I'm choosing which one I want to pick and collect in that hand. And then I'll pass it on and hope I get, you know, things that match and coordinate with that in the next hand. Um, Also, Caper is actually a two-player card drafting game, which is interesting. Again, Keymaster, an awesome, awesome board gaming company. Who likes to send us, you know, expansions? Uh, they also <laughs> Kafer is a great card drafting game, and my one of my really personal favorites that I think doesn't get enough press is Bargain Quest. Bargain Quest is a card drafting game where you're looking through items for um, to give that you're going to sell in your store to explorers um, that want to go on a quest. And so I'm like looking at the cards, saying, "Oh, okay." Do I want what kind of adventures do I want to attract? Um, what's going to give me the most points later on? What can I get the most money out of? And I'm going to choose from my hand and pass it on and hand the rest of them to the next player. And I get the remaining ones from the player next to me. So uh, that is card drafting. Very similar is dice drafting. Dice drafting is... Um, you can either like use dice as resources or you get actions based on choosing dice. So somebody, usually there's one player who rolls all the dice that are involved in the game and kind of put them in like a middle pool or whatever for everyone to choose from. So, uh, gosh, I really love dice drafting games. Just today I played Rec Raiders. You toss the dice into the lid and you lay out the numbers and then you pick, you draft a die to then decide where you're going to put your worker um, to get like a relic. Uh, my number two game of all time. Oh, gosh, I'm not giving that away. I haven't finished my videos yet. Don't spoil it. No, don't spoil it. 
I'll, I'll bleep it. Okay. People just think you said a bad word. <laughs> oh, everyone thinks that I swear like a sailor. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really you do. I really do, but not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no one's supposed to know, but you. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys, the man behind the curtain, it's all revealed. <laughs> it's t- I don't think it was much of a secret, really. It's a tele-episode. <laughs> People haven't met in real life. They don't know. Um, (laughs) So Coinbra is another one of my favorite games And Dice are laid out in color I choose one that I, I, I draft the dice that I want And then I use them To Take cards that I want And then those like Orchestra like dictate my actions later Another one of my absolute favorite games Maybe Game is Grand Austria Hotel where you have a pool of dice, the numbers on the dice uh, dictate what kind of action you can take, and then the number of dice with that particular number um, tell you how much of like a resource or an action, the degree of which you can take that. So that is dice drafting. All right, so now we're moving on from drafting, and we're going to go to placement. So the first thing I want to talk about of the two is worker placement. And both of these are going to be kind of similar, but they're going to be done in different ways. So that's why I've broken them down into two sections. So a worker placement game is basically any game where you're taking a piece, usually like a little meeple or a mini or something, and you're putting it on the board in a spot to claim resources, to take an action, to collect points, so on and so forth. So you go to a spot, you do the stuff. That's, uh, in essence, the root of a worker placement game. So some famous worker placement games, or ones that I enjoy, I guess is a better term, is Lords of Waterdeep. That's pretty classic. Um, it's quintessential worker placement. All you're doing in that game essentially is going to spots and collecting goods to complete some contracts and stuff. Um, another one that has a little bit more going on is Champions on Midgard. Uh, it has the same typical, you'd send your workers out to certain spots that's going to let you get dice, resources, food to feed your Vikings. But in this one, um, there's going to be some combat with those dice that you roll. So only half of the game is really worker placement, and it has some other stuff going on. But it does have worker placement. Uh, A third game that I wanted to mention is Agricola. Worker placement in this one's not the main game, Hmm. but it is a significant portion of the game where you have to go and collect stuff. What what are you saying um for? You think it's the whole whole game? No. Yeah. What do you think is the main game? I mean, yeah, there's some card play, but... Well, I mean, the part of the game is pinning up your animals, trying to get them in the pin. Okay, yeah, so I guess all that is done through worker placement, except <laughs> for playing on your little player board. So, okay, yes, fine. You win. <gasps> uh, and the last one I wanted to talk about for worker placement is Zolkin, uh, because this one does it a little differently. So what you're going to do in this one is you're going to take these little discs and you're going to put them on the gears, um, on these gears that turn to simulate passage of time. The trick here with this one is... When you pull your your dude off of the board, it's going to be in a different spot than when you put it down. So you may have put it down on this one area, but then time's going to pass each round, and the action that that guy was on is going to be better when you take it off. Still work a placement. You're still putting a dude out on the board, but just the way that this one collects resources is a little different because usually you go to a spot, you get the stuff, but in this one, you go to a spot, you wait a little bit, and you get better stuff. So that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Good game. Um, so to go along with worker placement is... Dice placement. Same thing. You're going to take some dice instead of little minis or little meeples or wooden cubes or whatever. 
and you're going to put those dice on certain spaces to do some stuff. The difference with this one is there may be some spaces that only certain dice can go to. So this space over here maybe needs a six. This one might take one, two, three, so on and so forth. Or the dice could just be used like um, regular characters and based on the value of the die is how strong the action is. So that's it's a similar concept, but the dice give it a little bit more randomness. Because sometimes the dice are workers themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So one of the games where the dice are the workers is the first one I want to talk about, and that's Marco Polo. So you're going to roll the dice here, and they're all they could they're going to be different values like dice do. And based on how strong the values of these dice are, it's going to tell you certain spaces you can go to, or it's going to give you certain different options on the board. So usually there are certain spaces on the board in this game where you have to send out multiple dice. And in the in this case, when you take an action that has more than one die, you have to take the value, the action based on the lowest value die. So say I go to an action with a one and a six, my action is worth a value of a one. So sometimes it's worth your 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 time in this one to get two high dice to go out. Sometimes it's just worth your time to go with two singles because you just need a weak action. You don't want to spend a good die. Another one that I put on this that is kind of a stretch, but (laughs) if it doesn't fit in this one, it'll fit in the last, the worker placement one. And that is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. So I don't really think it's a dice placement game, but you argued with me that it is (laughs) because at its core, you're rolling dice, you're putting them on the board and you have these little cylinders that are representatives of those three dice. So everybody's using the same dice in this one, essentially. But instead of actually p- taking the dice from your board and putting them out on the main board, you're using these representatives that represent the three colored dice on the board. Right. So like if they had just instead put more dice in it, which may have been more costly, everyone would then, but it doesn't make sense because you want to use it. You're all using the same numbers. So it's just like saying, hey, we all have an identical set of dice, but we're going to use these other things to represent them. That's why I think it's dice placement. Right. But if you don't like dice placement, it falls in the same category as worker placement. True. I mean, it six and one half a dozen of the other. Um, I'm going to say two more. Um, I'll say Taverns of Tiefenthal, or Tiefenthal, however you say it. Uh, this is... There's a bloody H in it. Tiefenthal. True. Uh, this one actually can fit in Katie's first category as well, the dice drafting. So the second one she talked about, because you are drafting some dice. It's true. But you're also using those drafted dice to put them in certain spots on your player board to acquire different things, to take different types of actions, to earn money, earn beer, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So you're using your dice as workers to go out and get some stuff. And the last one I want to talk about is a game called Kingsburg. And this is, uh, when people think of dice placement, this is kind of the one that comes to mind, I think, the most, because it's one of the more popular ones. And you have three dice in this one, and what you're going to do is you're going to roll your dice And you're either going to send one, two, or three dice out to these different locations on the board to collect resources based on the values of your dice. So the highest value you can go to, I think, is 18, because three sixes is 18. And I believe there's a one, so one to 18 of spaces. And you're trying to go, the higher number you go to, usually the better stuff you get. But you're only going to get one action in the turn. If you go to lower numbers, you get to use more dice. But you're not going to get as good as stuff. So that's worker placement and dice placement and card drafting and dice drafting and i don't really know what we're going to talk about next week so let's just leave that a surprise and we'll find out until next week on our gaming term glossary segment (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it'll be a surprise for everybody you and us included that's right uh lately we've had call-ins from members of the riveted and we do not have one this week 
but we hope to come back with that next week. The um, answer machine is down. So <laughs> technology, technology. The system is down. The system <laughs> is down. This Homestar Runner. Anyone? Don't. Anyway, okay, let's move on and talk about games we have played. All right, I love this section. Um, And this is going to be a little weird because I'm going to talk about some weird games. So (laughs) everybody hold on. There are no nobles. There are no cubes. No. There are cards and magnets. So (laughs) I'm not going to spoil too much, but... We'll talk about the card one right now. So the first game I'm going to talk about that I played is a game called Illamat. So let me talk about the theme a little bit. Is there um, a theme? Ga- I-, I guess. I don't know. I was just going to talk about the background of how the game came about. Okay. So there's this band called the Decemberists. They're emo and weird. And <laughs> Some people might like music. them. Well, they can like them. That's fine. But they shot some kind of music video where they were playing this fake board game in the music video. And they decided that they wanted to make a board game. So they met with the designer of Illimat, and they came up with Illimat. That's, at least that's what the book says. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what the book says. But essentially what this game is, it's a, a card game where you're trying to use these cards from your hand. It's a, essentially a regular deck of cards. It's a ace through king, but the ace is called a fool, and it can be a 1 or a 14. So... What you're trying to do is you're trying to use these cards from your hand to acquire cards from these four fields, which represent the four seasons. The trick here is some of the seasons you're not allowed to take some of the actions. So the four actions you can do is you can sow, which would be put a card in the field to draw a new card. So you're basically trying to get better cards, d- different cards in the field to let you take other actions on your turn. You can harvest, which would be I have a 10 in my hand, and in this, other, in this field there's a 10. I could take that 10 and put it with my 10 in my hand into my scoring pile. You can stockpile, which means you can take, uh, you have a card in your hand that matches a card you're going to play into the field that combines it into another number. So say I had a five in my hand and there was a three in the field. If I play a two onto that three, I now can claim that card on a future turn because that two plus three equals five and I have a five in my hand. So I think that's the only actions you can take. Is that correct? That sounds right. I think you got everything. Okay, so to go along with that, you're, if you can clear out a field, there are these cards called luminaries, which look like tarot cards with really weird pictures. And if you clear out a field, you're going to flip the card. It's going to give you some kind of special... There's going to be some kind of special bonus that happens that affects either the game or that field or something. And then if you can clear that field out again, you get to collect the luminary and they're worth a point. Uh, there's also these random metal tokens... That every time you can clear out a field, you get a metal token. And you're going to keep playing in this this nature until you run out of cards in the round. You're going to do some scoring. I'm not going to go into scoring. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. But you'll, get, you'll do some scoring, and then you'll play through a couple more rounds until someone has 17. So um, I think that's a pretty decent summary. Uh, except for when you play a face card, so a, a jack, queen, king, or a fool. They have different names in this one. Um, if you play a face card in a field that's different than the season of that field, the board turns and it makes that season into that field, causing you to not be able to do some stuff or maybe do everything if it's summer. So 
yeah, it, it's funky. That was a weird description, and it's a weird game. So my first game is Illumet. Yeah, um, yeah. You failed to mention like there's a box in the middle, which is actually part of the box, and that dictates the seasons. And each season has its own kind of set of properties of what what can be done during it. I don't think you mentioned any of that, but yeah, I said I said there were some restrictions on what you could do, but I didn't say how that worked. Yeah, and that is like the main core of the game, I guess. Yeah, I really like it. It almost it has a feel of like a trick taking game, kind of. Um, because, like, with scoring, there's, like, certain suits that you really want and some that you don't. Um, but it is strange. It takes a couple playthroughs to kind of make sure you're understanding the rules right and checking the book. But I don't – I just – there's something really, I don't – charming about it. <laughs> That's all I can think of what to say about it. Yeah, it's fun. I actually kind of wanted to play it again right after we finished playing it the first time. But then we moved on to something else. But it – once I figured it out, because I'm not good with these games that have weird rules like that. There were no nobles and tracks, so or yeah, cubes. Yeah, that's true. If there's no cubes or no tracks, I struggle. So this was a struggle. But once I figured it out, I had a good time. We can play it again. Well, yeah, I'd like to play it again. Well, I mean, I mean we can play it off the podcast if you wanted. All right. Yeah, we can try that. Okay, well, hurry up, guys, because we're going to play Illumat. <laughs> um, I actually, uh, Jason played a concert one night this weekend, so... I, my youngest daughter said she wanted to have like a mommy sissy her game night. So we played, uh, I taught them kind of in a very simplified way, Ghost Blitz. Uh, if you don't know Ghost Blitz, it's kind of a rare game. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but it's a really fun game. What has like, I think, book, ghost. It's like five different things. I I was going to say, I think it's five. Five different objects. And like they're really tactile, like wooden objects. There's a white ghost because it's called Ghost Blitz, a blue book, a green bottle, a red chair, and a gray mouse. And then it comes with a set of cards. And each card, when you flip it over, there are two functions. You're either looking for something like what's missing, what's not there. So, um, and it's by color and object. So you could have a green chair, which then rules out the chair, the red chair and the green bottle. Or, you know, so they're mixing the colors and the objects, but you're still seeing like these several objects. Or you're looking for, there could be an exact match. So if you see the white ghost, then that is the object that you're after. Um, and so it, it can be like one of those really fast paced games. And for older kids, I think it it's really great. And for adults too, like we've always had a really good time um, playing it because it has like almost that spoons like quality to your actions um, to like reaching out and trying to be the first to grab it. And then sometimes your instinct to grab something is wrong. <laughs> and then you realize, Oh, I've totally screwed this up and now I've lost a card. Um, but with my kids, so since I, my oldest, our, our oldest daughter, daughter is on the autism spectrum. So um, some of like the multiple step rules can be hard for her. And she's not sometimes not as fast because she's just kind of observing in a different way. Uh, and then my youngest is, you know, fairly young. She's in kindergarten. So, um, you know, she's really working on that pattern establishing kind of stuff right now. So we would just kind of go back and forth. I'd be like, okay, well, here's your card. What's missing or what is exactly the same? 
And so we kind of go through and we talked about it was almost like teaching them deduction. Like, okay, let's look at this card. There's a blue mouse. So it can't be this blue book because it's blue. It can't be this gray mouse because it's the mouse. Okay, now we have a green ghost. Well, it can't be the green bottle. It can't be the white ghost. So what's left? Um, so just trying to teach them that kind of logic through it. And they still had a fun time because like the pieces are fun and chunky and, you know, they go back and forth. And my oldest, you know, had a good time, like when she got a match and understood it, she really loved it. And my youngest like liked stockpiling and collecting all the cards she got because she did a really great job with it. Now, if we'd actually played, I would have smoked her so bad, but um, <laughs> they, I just wanted to kind of use it because it really is almost a learning game to train your eye to start that kind of deductive process. So that's Ghost Blitz. Yeah, I do like this game. It was fun playing this at church camp with the the like 10-year-olds who thought they were hot stuff. And then you flip a card and as soon as you flip it, you grab what, what, what it is before they even see it. I love that. That's fun. I know. I played it with uh, some youth at church and just they're like yelling at me. They're like, I had that first. Like, I can't believe you got that. And like screaming is great. <laughs> that is a good time. So I also played a game with my daughters that Katie's played with them before, but not in this play. And what this game is, it's, well, first it's called Clax. It's by Amigo, which they do some other kids' games. So when I saw it was by them, I was actually a little more excited to play it because they make real games instead of, like, Hasbro. Calm down. So, I, yeah, okay. I'm off the soapbox, and I'm just going to talk about the game. So what this game is, is you have a die. You have two dice. And you're going to be rolling these dice, and it's going to have a picture of an object and then a color and what you're doing with these dice is there are these magnet like discs magnetic discs spread out on the table that have anywhere from like three to four pictures on them of different shapes and different colors so it kind of has like a spot it look to it a little bit right right so it's it's like it's similar to what you were saying with the ghost blitz where you have to recognize the what thing you need to grab so if you see a purple foot say i roll purple and the shape of a foot the real rules are you have to speed and grab as many purple feet as you can before everybody else. But with kids, the rule is when they roll, they get to grab all of that thing. So say my youngest daughter, she rolled purple feet. She would get to grab all the purple feet without me or the other daughter grabbing any of the discs. The trick here is on these dice, there's a white, a color white, which means it's wild. And then there's also a blank on the shape, which means it's anything. So if the first player in this game rolls blank and white, they get to take all the discs and they win. So I don't necessarily think playing by that rule is the best. So what we did a couple times was we played where, say, the youngest daughter would roll and I would be sitting after her. Then I would get to grab one of the things. So she rolled a red flower. I would get to grab a red flower. Then the next daughter would get to grab a red flower. We keep going around until all the flowers were gone. So that kind of made it a little more even. Everybody was getting stuff, but there was still always going to be a winner because everything has different amounts of stuff. So it's cool because when you grab some stuff, you take your disc and you clack it down and you click the other one magnetic. So you have this big stack of magnetic tiles and whoever's stack is the tallest is the winner. So that's clacks. It's super fun with kids. I actually kind of liked it. I think I'd like to play it the actual game way sometime where you're racing to grab the stuff because that would be fun. So my second game, clacks. Yeah, you can tell we spent a lot of time with our children this weekend because of the games played. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> but actually, this last game was one that Jason and I played together, and we played Dinosaur Island, which we have played Dinosaur Island many times before. But we finally decided, since we backed the Kickstarter, it was about time that we got out the Totally Liquid expansion. Oh, yeah. And it was a good time. Yes. So if you have lived under a rock for the past, you know, I don't know, three years or something, two years, and don't know what Dinosaur Island is, it's basically Jurassic Park, the board game without the IP. Uh, This game is so great. (laughs) Uh, So you are, you have your own dinosaur park and you are getting different types of dinosaurs and then you have to get different the right kinds combination of dna to actually have those dinosaurs in your park with dinosaurs comes a security risk so you have to make sure you've got security so that when you eventually at the end of the round draw visitors to come visit your park they don't get chomped up by the dinosaurs i mean there's i mean unless you want them to get chomped up you can just let them get chomped. That's kind of fun, too. It's, But it's it's not going to help your score any. That's uh, true, but it's fun. That's true. So the Totally liquid, liquid Expansion, like, we have all the shaped dinosaur meeples, which everyone knows. I'm a big sucker for the shaped meeples. So I love that. Um, we also got the slap bra- bracelet to indicate the first player, which is oh, yeah. so great. That was pretty awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> and it adds, like, water dinosaurs. So, like, that was so... The water dinosaur that was really, like, key in Jurassic World is now also can be part of your dinosaur park. And it's so fun because, you know, I grew up loving Jurassic Park. I remember I was in elementary school, like late elementary school when it came out, and my friends and I would run around the playground, like pretending we were the people in Jurassic Park. Um, I Every time that movie's on, there is no way that I'm changing it. What? No, wait, wait, wait. I try to watch Jurassic Park all the time. No, no, no. Not, and you yell at no, me. No, not the original. You try to bust out like two and three or whatever, which nobody else- all amazing. I only want to watch Jurassic Park, the first one, or Jurassic World. I don't want anything else. Those are oh, the man, two. Jurassic classics. Park 2, when the dinosaur's on the boat and it's coming into New York? Oh, that's classic. No, it is not. Oh, Regular Jurassic so Park. So this game is fun in that it's like reliving like my my childhood, but you really are making choices like, okay, I want to get this DNA, um, but I also need to have more room in my cold storage for a certain type of DNA. Um, maybe the dice that rolled didn't give it to it. Okay, I need a dinosaur. Gosh, the large dinosaurs are really exciting, which brings more people into my park. But man, uh, my security level is going to have to go way up and I got to pay for that. Or people are going to get eaten. I'm not getting any points. Uh, just a lot of really cool, fun decisions in this game. And I won. And so that makes it even more awesome. Uh, I don't believe it. I don't think you won. I did win. I had, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, by five points. I remember. You're right. You're right. I had some great end-round scoring, okay? Even, That's true. Even did. with all my hooligans. And I had a whole bunch of, like, fun, like, park rides in my park. And I had a wooden coaster. And I had Rex Mex food court place. It was good. That's true. You did. I got. I met all my blueprint, though, which was cool. But anyway, so that was Dinosaur Island. And along with the water dinosaurs, I don't I don't know if you mentioned this. Did you talk about the PR and the blueprints? Uh, no, I didn't. I forgot. So we also use a couple other modules. I think there are like, there's the water dinosaurs and then like four other things you can use, I believe. And we didn't use the executives because I didn't feel like figuring out how to use those. But we did use PR, which is basically a, 
an in-game goal that everybody has that they're going to reveal one of the two that they have at the end of the game and everybody's going to score it. So you know what your, the goal is, but you're trying to keep, you know, play ones that only you get points for and not everybody else. So that was pretty cool. And then there's a blueprint card, which is basically telling you how they want you to lay out your park. And the more stuff that you match in your park board to that card, the more points you get. So that's where I earned a lot of my points. And I was in the, almost beat you because of that blueprint card. But then you had some stupid in-game card that you squeaked it out. It wasn't stupid. It was master, masterfully played is what it was. It was stupid. You're st- <laughs> Oh, that's going to get a bleep. <laughs> you, you can't bleep stupid. I can bleep whatever I want because I have the edit button. Only because you won't let anyone else edit because you're a control freak. I mean, the last couple of weeks have been rough, so maybe I should <laughs> let somebody else edit. Right. Uh. So let's move on to the main event. All right. So tonight, why well, I keep saying tonight, it could be daytime. It could be any time when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, the better word is... So now, there you go. Well, then you could introduce this segment. Why don't you just go ahead and do it? So now, we're going to talk about our main event that Katie just alluded to in her talking that she did a second ago. And today, we're going to... Oh, I did it too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No more referencing time. We're going to talk about, in this episode's main event, our favorite two-player games. So this doesn't mean which is what I wanted it to mean. Basically, games that we love that we just play as two-player. So for me, that's every game that I would rather just play every game as two-player. But this is just strictly games that were made to be played as two-players. Yeah. So two-player only You can't games. play it at three. Yeah. You can't play it at three. You can't play it at four. You can't play it solo. You have to play it with one other person. So that's the definition of these games that we're going to talk about right now. And I think I'm first on the list. You are first I, on I, the I, list. I, I lost my list. Hang on Oh, no. Professionals here. We're professionals. (laughs) All right. So my first game that I wanted to talk about is a game that you can actually find in Target. And it's made by Mattel, of all people, which is pretty interesting. After you just ragged on, like, Hasbro and stuff like that. I ragged on Hasbro. I didn't rag on Mattel because I knew this game was coming up. They make Barbies. That's true. But that's not a board game. So they can keep making Barbies. That's fine. Um, so the game that I want to talk about is not anything to do with Barbie. It's called Spirits of the Wild. So what this game is, is a game about collecting stones to try to make, I think you're making like constellations or something. Why do you pretend to address theme when you don't care? I'm trying. Okay. People care. I'm trying to be listenable for the people. I'm trying to give them what they want. So just let me do my (laughs) thing here. Okay. Fine. So really what you're do- what you're doing in this game is you're reaching in this bag. You're- well, let me go back. In this game, you have five cards in front of you that are going to give you certain ty- types of actions that you can do. These actions are going to reference getting these little marbles or stones out of this bag and putting them in a bowl for other people to use or for you to use later. Or taking stones from the bowl to put into one of the, I think, five sections of your player board. So... What you're trying to do is you're trying to get stones of certain colors in certain spots of your player board to score points. So there's one section where you have to have all five colors of the stones. And if you can do that, you get a pile of points. There's another section where you have to have like a full house of stones. So you need two of one color, three of another color. There's one section where you need to have all the same color. I think there's one section where you need to have three pairs. And I can't remember what the last one is. So you're trying to do all that. 
but there's also these clear stones that you can try to take them and put them in a section of your board and it makes it score double. The trick with these here is once you put a clear stone in your board, you can no longer put any other stones in that section of your board. So you may stop before you have all the other stones, but you're going to have some good points. Another trick with these stones is once there's a certain amount of these stones either in the bowl or on both players' player board, the game ends. So you're trying to juggle, you know, how quickly you want to take these stones. Do you want to try to put stuff back in the bag to keep these stones out longer so you can get more of the colors to fill out your spaces to get more points? So it's a nice little back and forth. Oh, and there's also this fox that you can block a player's section of their board for some reason. I don't know why it's there, but it is. So there's a fox you can move to block it so people can't put stones in that section of their board. This is a really fun two-player game. I've played it, I think, five or six times. You can play it in about 10 minutes. It's lightning fast, but it's super fun in that 10 minutes. So if you like quick, fun two-player games, check out Spirits of the Wild. Have you played this one? I have. I've played it at least once with you. But the thing is, I just don't ever remember this game. Like, I don't remember how to play it. Like, I know I've played it, I think, more than once. And it seemed fine. Like, I, I feel like I liked it when I played it, but it just didn't make an impression on me. Yeah, I didn't. The first time I played it, I didn't like it as much because it was too fast and I didn't understand really what I was doing. But the more that I've played it, I realize there's a lot of other things going on and I like it a lot more. So hmm. the more I play it, I think it'll just keep, I'll just keep liking it even better. Okay. I need to, I need to give it another go, I guess. Yeah, it's fun. I don't know if you'll like it necessarily as much as me, but I don't think you'll hate it. So that's good. It's kind of abstracty, which I don't love. I mean, a lot of these two-player games are like I know. That, I don't understand really. that either. Yeah. Why? I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about some more that are kind of abstract. We are. Um, this My next one probably is abstract because the theme is super <laughs> it, loose. It definitely is. Um, it's probably more abstract than the one I just talked about. <laughs> but I really love this game, and it's Seven Wonders Duel. And we have played the snot out of this game. Yeah, so this is a good I don't one. I don't even know how I heard about it. Someone else must have told me about it, or I watched it played, or something. Because I I tried Seven Wonders. Maybe did we get this one first before we actually got Seven Wonders? Uh, I'm not sure. We had Seven Wonders pretty early on. Okay, uh, and and I I hate Seven Wonders. Um, it's not fun. I don't get it. The lack of theme there is like appalling because it doesn't. I don't understand what I'm working for or anything. I just it doesn't. Uh. This one's kind of the same. No, no, but it's it's not. It's not the same. It's so different. I think... <laughs> <laughs> it's the same art. It's the same concept. No, it's not. Because you're not... I mean, you're card drafting kind of, but you're drafting from, like, this pyramid, and the cards are laid, and you have... <laughs> Uh, okay, so since you're building wonders and you're drafting from a pyramid, that makes it more thematic for you? Yes, it does. <laughs> All right, you can proceed talking about the game. I'm done interrupting. Are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, at least for Okay, now. I was just thinking earlier, like, never when you were recording with Joel, did you ever, like, completely get out of hand and, like, start arguing with, <laughs> arguing with him or, like, blowing stuff up or, like, raising your voice? But you and I get on the podcast and that's all it is. You just snark, 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 picking a fight, everything. That's not all it is. I mean, come on. There's bleeping, too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Seven Wonders Duel, um, again, two-player game. I like it because you're drafting like a Klondike style, I guess, like solitaire um, kind of setup, where as I take yeah. a card off, um, other cards are now able to be revealed. 
So there's like this great tension of, okay, I really want this card, but that's going to actually open up the, my opponent to take this other card. And I don't know if I want them to get that in their city. Um, you're trying to complete wonders. And I like it because there's lots of different ways to win. So it's, you know, I'm collecting all the sciences or I am using military victory or, you know, what have you and collecting things for points. And then I like that there's that synergy almost like slightly engine building kind of of if I get this item now, I want something that's going to give me resources that can be used later so I can pay for more cards. I want cards that can connect with other cards so that I can get them to be able to draft them for free. Um, I just really, really enjoy this game. And I would, I always would be willing to pick this game up. It's, it's got a lot of great decisions, but on your turn, you pick a card. I mean, that's, it's, it's deceptively simple and yet so many good things to, to do to choose. So that's, that's my first pick is Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah, this game's so much easier to teach than regular Seven Wonders too. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, I played it with a buddy and we played it, I think, three times back to back to back, which was awesome. So we played like 45 minutes of just back to back to back Seven Wonders. It was great. And no, no issues. And sometimes he struggles with some games. So. It was fun to play. Yeah, I, I agree with this pick 100%. This is awesome. Woohoo! Even though it's not super thematic, but yes. Shut up. I so didn't my- say it was super thematic. I just said it's <laughs> more thematic than the other game. Oh, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll give you that because the cards are in a pyramid shape. Okay. Uh, so the ne- next game I want to talk about is called Lost Cities. And it's from Reiner Knizia. You can't give me crap about this one because you haven't played it. I was getting ready just to, like, make up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you knew. I had my mouth open, ready to start going, boo, this game. So all this game is, is it's essentially kind of like a a tug of war of cards. And these four or five different colors if you have the new version of it. So what you're going to do on your turn is you're going to play a card to either one of the colors in front of you. Or you're going to discard a card. The trick here is when you play a card down in front of you, and I think they go from two to ten, I believe... So if you play a card down in front of you, you always have to play a card higher than that. So you're trying to juggle, you know, when are you going to play these cards down? If you have five, six, seven, do you want to play that five? And then maybe you get stuck drawing a three of that same color later. Then you got to discard and give it to your opponent. So it's kind of a, you know, you may just hold cards until you have better numbers and then just start playing, playing, playing. But another funky thing here is, each of these colors has these handshake cards. There's three of them. So if you can get a handshake on your side, one handshake is going to double all of your score for all those cards. So basically the way you score is all the cards get added up. So if I have five, six, seven, that's going to give me 18 points. But if I have a handshake, it's going to give me 36. So you want to have handshakes to boost up your score. So you want to play the high cards, but you don't want to just always start the high cards because you need low cards and that whole back and forth. At the end of the game, you start out with negative 20 points per color. So if you're playing the five colors, you're going to have negative 100 points. So you're trying to at least get over 20 points in each color so you can get out of the negative. So that's where the handshakes come in to give you those extra boosts to get you out of the negative. It's a super fun game. It's kind of just like a a thinky tug-of-war battle card game where you're trying to outthink your opponent and keep stuff from them. And I like it. So that's Lost Cities. It sounds like kind of mathy. I don't like that. Uh, it's not really mathy until the end. 
the end the ending scoring takes as long to calculate as playing the game sometimes hmm. so i don't i don't necessarily know if you'd like this one because of that the card plays fun but the scoring is a little annoying i will give it that yeah i think this game is stupid and it's not fun at all and i don't even know why you picked it you're wrong <laughs> i don't know i mean i guess i'd give it a shot once but it doesn't sound like my cup. do we own this yeah i, I got it for a review copy oh i don't it's i don't know from, if i've ever seen it it's from cosmos i think Okay, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen it in our collection, so that might be another reason why I've yet to play it. I played it with Brandon like four or five times, and then he went out and bought it, and now he makes Josie play a lot. Well, I remember him saying, "Like, wait, I don't. What do I do with these handshake things?" Like, I remember you guys playing it. I just right don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's okay. Fun. It's fun. Well, moving on to an actually fun two-player game uh, that I picked. Yeah, I'm not going to argue because I agree. This is a good one. <laughs> uh, this is a game that we. Uh, the first year we went to Origins, we happened to demo this game, and we're like, oh my gosh, a two-player game, we like this game, um, and it was, we got it, I think, for 20 bucks, so it was, like, wicked cheap. Yeah, it was super cheap. So we said, hey, why not? And that game is Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft, and for me, I was drawn to it because I absolutely love the theme. Don't try and tell me that there's no theme, okay? I mean, it has Sherlock in it, and it has other people, but... I mean, there is theme. I don't know if it's thematic, but there is a theme. Yes. Because I, I really love Sherlock Holmes. I love the stories. I love the TV show. I, I just love anything Holmes. Um, so I liked that initially. And so then this is basically at its core a set collection game. So you use magnifying glasses as your currency because you're out searching clues. And so you're you're going to the, your different informants. So there's Mrs. Hudson, Inspector Lestrade, you know, those normal kind of things that are out there um, that you're going to collect from um, to get to try and get like, okay, they don't they don't actually give you the evidence, but they're part of like, I can get more currency. I can trade one of my cards for some different kind of evidence because you're collecting them in sets of like numbers. So there's some like a piece of evidence, maybe a bullet. There are two. So there are only two number twos. And then there are three number threes that are buttons. And there are four cigarette butts that are fours. So you're trying to get as many of each set as you can because that's how you are scoring more points. So you're watching what your opponent's playing. There's some different informants that you can go to that allow you to take cards from them or swap cards out. And then also you can play with a Moriarty. Moriarty and, um, oh, who's the it's other back? Sherlock on the back. No, 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 no. Oh, no. oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who else the other card is. I forget. Moriarty's. We haven't played it for a long time. Crony. It'll come to me later. Moriardo is what we're going to call him. No, it's not. Ugh, I'm so mad that I can't remember this. <laughs> It's fine. Just keep going. Crap. I'm really mad. Anyway, so then that causes you to like have to get rid of some of your cards or whatever. Um, so it's really easy. It's a takes up a it's a small footprint. Um, we played this a lot. Like for waiting for our kids to go fall asleep, we could sit at a little table. Like we go camping or whatever, and um, you know we're just kind of staying near them till they fell asleep before we could go out, you know, sit by the fire or whatever, or go play games with the people. So we'd play this like quietly, like on a TV tray or whatever. Um, and it doesn't require a lot of communication, but it is kind of fun, like choosing your sets, trying to get more than the other person to end up 
<laughs> scoring the most points at the end. So that is Holmes, Sherlock, and Mycroft. Yeah, this is a really fun game. I like this one. And it is essentially, I mean, it has worker placement in it too, which we could have talked about up at the top in mm, the gaming term glossary or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't because we didn't want to spoil it. So, I mean, there That's was right. a little bit of preparation here that Katie put into it because we all know if I would have done it, <laughs> I would have just spoiled it and not even thought twice about it. Well, yeah. Um, so, uh, next game and the final game I want to talk about is one of my favorite two-player games, and it is called Caper. Keymaster so, Games. Yeah, Keymaster Games. Oh, so I did t- spoil this. I did spoil this. I didn't think this one through. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we can't be professional all the time. I mean, one out of like one out <laughs> of three. One out of three is good. Um, so Keymaster Games sent us the expansion of Parks. So what this game is is this is a what Katie talked about is a drafting game, but it's a two-player only drafting game. So you're trying to draft these um, thieves to go steal stuff from these different locations that are out in the middle no, of the No, you're not drafting the thieves. Yes, you are drafting thieves. Oh, you draft the thieves, but you also you draft, draft equipment, too. And you draft the items and the stuff to equip the thieves. There's different alternating drafting rounds. You're right. You're right. Sorry. My bad. I know. So um, you're going to draft the thieves. So say I'm first player. I'll be the one who starts drafting thieves. And I'll get to take a thief put it at the location that I want. It'll go on and so forth until all the cards are gone. Then it'll go to the other player. So in this case, Katie, she would get to take the items. She'll get first dibs at playing an item to one of her thieves or like, um, I don't know, a disguise or something to help her get capers. Cause what you're trying to do is you're trying to have more capers on your side of the building than I have on mine. So if you can get more capers, you're going to win that building. It's going to give you some points. It's going to give you some special abilities and all that. You're also trying to collect some sets of different types of art because if you can get different types of art, I think there's four different types. If you can get all four, it's worth a pile of points too. So as per usual with a lot of these two-player games, it's one of those tug-of-war type games as well. But I like that this is drafting. It does two-player drafting very well, and the artwork is gorgeous. The rule book is awesome. It has this little like JCPenney catalog of what all the item cards do, which is pretty awesome. Didn't need to be like that, but just the way that it looks is amazing. So my favorite, two, not my favorite two-player game, I don't think, but one that I wanted to talk about is Caper. Yeah, the, I really like this game, even though I can never win it. Like, I just can't for some reason. I was trying to think if I won it the last time we played it because I really made an effort to try and do better. I don't think you did. I don't think I did. But it's still fun. And yeah, the artwork is awesome. And here's a hint. Uh, if you watch my next segment of my top 100 games you will see me talk about this yep so that's how much i like it that's true great game all right and my last game that i want to mention uh i also don't think i ever win this game either but i really have a good time trying and this game is called dashu and i don't think it's really very popular i don't know if i've ever heard hardly anybody i think i heard z garcia talk about it but that might be it yeah, that's where I think we heard about it and where we picked it up. So Dashu is this game where it's like a... It's a tug of war. It, it is kind of a tug of war. <laughs> so you are um, trying to get certain sets of goods. And so they'll come up and and the way you get the goods is you take these like four cards that you have in your hand. And there are four different actions you can take. One of them is give the cards. And you can gift so that you're freely giving the cards to the other person. 
And these are you choosing this in secret. The other one is take. I want those cards. I will take them. Uh, another one is I'm just going to be agreeable. So whatever the other person says, that's what we'll do. Or there's a double cross one, yeah. which says we'll do the opposite of what the other person it wants to do. Right. So you're trying to like outthink your opponent. Like, okay, are they going to want to give me these cards? So if I want these cards and they're going to give them to me, should I just say, okay, let's just go with whatever they say? Um, because you have a track that's kind of your integrity. And if you are agreeable, <laughs> your integrity moves up, which gives you more points. Um, but if you are like that, I know they're going to want to take those cards. These are good cards. So I'm going to double cross them. I'm going to make them, uh, do the opposite of whatever their card is, which makes your integrity go down. Now, my problem is I'm always like, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to take a dump in my integrity. And I'm going to double cross Jason. And he's like, yeah, she's going to double cross me. So I'm going to be like, whatever you want. And so then I get screwed over and just makes me bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, <laughs> because prison, you, that prisoner's dilemma thing is annoying. It, it really is. But, uh, like that that's really like the fun thing because it's like simple you just pick one of those cards to play and then either you get the cards in the middle or you don't uh, and and you're trying to make a balance because you don't want to have way too many of one item because you don't get as many points for it you don't want it to be like a total runaway so you want some similar cards but you don't want too many so then you're watching like oh can I dump these cards on the other player so they have to get too many and they don't get any points for them like there are so many really thinky decisions in this little card game and it is like so brain birdie for me I'm like why can I not outthink you I could go to a restaurant and order exactly everything that you order for yourself and exactly what you're going to say about it as soon as you do it but I can't know if you're going to do a double cross or you're going to give me the stuff. Unpredictable. That's what that is. <laughs> you are so predictable. That's what kills me. I don't know why I can't win this game because you are the most predictable person I've ever met. <sighs> but it's so fun. Anyway, like I just get worked up about it because I'm so interested. I'm so invested in it. And it's just a little stinking deck of cards. And also it's Japanese themed, which I'm a super sucker. For. It's not Japanese themed. It's Chinese. But I'm a sucker for these beautiful, like, Asian-themed games. Like, the artwork is super cool. And even the cards that show, like, give and take and double-cross, they're, like, ridiculous design in them. Like, I, I just love so much about this game. And so that is my favorite two-player game, Dashu. Yeah, that is a good one. That whole, uh, where you can only have, like, one or two more in each of the four different goods than everybody else, that is really hard to manage. Like... I get burned by that so many times. So many times. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so let's talk about some honorable mentions. Uh, I don't know if they're of all... I don't know if you've played all of these. So if you haven't played it... <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, we can... I'll just mention it, but you don't have to chime in, I guess. Okay. Uh, so the first one is Akrotiri. And I know you've this played that. This is so close to making my list. Like, I really enjoy this game. Because I think it's, for a two-player, it's fairly involved, and it's it's different than a lot of other two-player games. Oh, yeah. It's like two-player pick up and deliver, which is really cool. Like, I, it's an interesting interesting concept for a two-player game, for sure. There's no tug-of-war, which is interesting for one, because that's the staple. Uh, the next game is Mr. Jack Pocket, which we both have played, and I do know that. Yes, I like this game a lot, too. Yeah, so what you're trying to do in this is you're trying to um, figure out who Jack the Ripper is. 
one of the characters is going to have a hidden character that's Jack the Ripper, and you're trying to manipulate these tiles to get in the same like line of sight as Jack the Ripper to figure it out before he gets so many magnifying glasses or something. It's a fun game. That was a terrible description, but it's mm-hmm. a fun game. <laughs> that is a terrible description, but it is fun. <laughs> Next up is Institute of Magical Arts or the new remixed and remastered version, School of Sorcery. Which is on Kickstarter now. Which is on Kickstarter now and is probably better than Institute of Magical Arts. But because I don't have that one, I just did a video, I put Institute of Magical Arts on here. So what do you think about this one? Um, I like this one. So this is like, like I, and I mentioned this also in one of my videos, it is if McGonagall and Snape had to have like a battle to see who took over after Dumbledore, it would, that's what this game's theme would be. But it's not a Harry Potter IP, so you just have to pretend. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a fun little dice game. And I'm also terrible at this game, too. Like, I can't ever, like, you can get these, like, special um, things to help you with, like, a wand, which is always helpful, different types. And you're trying to get these stones and use the portal correctly, and I never can. <laughs> yeah. It's, ever. It's tricky. It's It's got a little bit of that Prisoner's Dilemma stuff, too. I think you're just not yes. super good at that. I don't know why. I don't know either. I, I'm so good. Like in a social deduction game, I can read people. Like nobody's business. I know what all that's going on. Like these great hunches. But I cannot do it in a game like this. So another game with Prisoner's Dilemma is called Seven Ronin. Uh, well, I guess you're not really, it's not really Prisoner's Dilemma. You're just trying to outthink your other, your opponent. You're, somebody's a samurai. Somebody's a ninja. And the samurai is trying to control the, all the territories. And the ninjas are trying to kill the samurai. Yeah. Uh, the next one, I don't think you've played, and it is called Familia or Familia. Have you played this? No, I don't think so. All right, so this is a Freedom and Freeze game, hence the F in the name. Um, this is a two-player deck-building game, kind of. You have these yeah. cards, like I think they're zero to five of five different colors, and you're trying to use the weaker cards to buy the higher value cards because the number of the cards is how many points are worth at the end of the game. The trick here is every different color except for the red ones, which are worth the most points, have a special power that are going to let you either use them to buy better cards easier or you can discard them to pick up other cards from your point pile to use them again. It's really interesting. It's kind of funky. The rule book's kind of weird, but I enjoy it. And this one we got for a song too. Like just randomly, it was super cheap and we thought we'd... Oh, yeah. Give it a go. For sure. And it's a good one. You need to play this one with me. I think you might like it. Okay. Uh, another honorable mention that I know Jason really loves and oh, yes. has been so described good. by both of us is Nagaraja. And I love, like, the gameplay is fun, but, like, instead of dice, it has, like, these little sticks that have dots on them. Uh, and the sticks are of various sizes. And it's just kind of fun to throw those around and use them to decide who wins the, the tile that's up for the round, then where you're going to put that tile, um, what treasures you're going to reveal. It's a little bit of push your luck. Uh, it, it's just a good game. Yeah, this probably would have been my number one, but I talk about it all the time, so I wanted to give Caper some more love. Uh, Hanamakoji in some ways rem- has uh, some similar mechanic. Yeah, similar mechanics to Dashu because you want to have more... Do you want you want to have more than the other person, but not too much more? No, it Is doesn't right? matter. You just have to have more on your oh. side to win the okay, favor of the geisha. I made that up. It's all good. I thought there was I thought there was another game that was like that. Uh, hmm. maybe, but it's not Ani Mikoji. <laughs> it's not Ani Mikoji. <laughs> also, uh, Hanamikoji was also re implemented in uh, 
a game about samurais or something, wasn't it? Remember that? Yeah, it was from the same company too, which was kind of weird. But I don't. It's rem- just different artwork. Yeah, it's different art because really? they lost the Hana Makoji license or something. I don't know. But it's the same game, and I can't remember what it's called for life of it's me. It's like a three three word name now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw it at a booth in Origin, I'm like, ooh, that's really beautiful. And then I was like, oh, that's Hana Makoji all over again. Um, but either one is fun, and it is that, like, tug of war back and forth. How do you get the cards that you need for to get the flavor of the geisha? Uh, you have, you start out oh, with a you- hand of four cards, and you do, like, some ice what you choose and stuff. Yeah, which is a, a kind of a fun mechanic, too, with two players. That happens a lot. So there's some – it's not that whatever you called it, the other thing – prisoner or something what prisoner is it? dilemma i've never heard that before yeah it's where you're you're both like you know that i'm going to do this so you don't do that but instead because i know you know that i know that you're going to do that i don't do that that's what prisoner dilemma is oh i call it the vinzini dilemma I've, I've never heard that I, I just that's just what i think of from princess bride oh yeah I which cup has iocane powder but you know that i know that you know yeah, yeah, you have yeah. been developing it like that's true. But what you don't know is, I yeah, uh, that's what it makes me think of every time, Vinzini. So the re-implemented uh, Hanimikoji is called Jixia Academy. Oh, Jixia. Jixia Academy. Yes, yes. The X is a sh. Like in, sh, like in the t- city Xi'an. Sh. Jixia. Jixia Academy. Oh, yeah. Or Jixia, yes. No, Jixia. We're all going to say it right. Everybody, say it with me. Jixia. With the X is the sh. So now you know. Anytime you see like a, a Chinese word, X is shh. And back to honorable mentions. Reading Rainbow. The more you know, the more you grow. Okay. Uh, I almost put this next one on my list because I know that you would never mention it because it's totally a Marathrash. And that is Hero Realms. I love, love, love deck builders. And Too mean. I, I don't know. It's fun. I love to just duke it out. I love to develop my deck. I like that I have a character that has kind of its own cool uh, set of cards and abilities. I I like the high fantasy theme way better than Star Realms because I hate space. Um, like, not like just space in general. I just don't like the space theme, I guess. I have nothing against, you know, outer space, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's outer space ever done to you? <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> where do I start? But Hero Realms, I really like. I think you don't like it because I consistently completely demolish you. Oh, yeah. I start with 60 life. In three turns, I'm down to zero, and you have 59. Yeah, that's fun. I don't understand how you're so bad at it. Well, I don't know. I'm just not good at it. I don't I don't know. But I really like Hero Realms. That's a great two-player. And I, I think you would probably like it if we tried like the campaign mode and stuff, which we have and have yet to play. But I, yeah. I think that would be – I really would like to try those because I think that that would be something that would make it a game that we both would really enjoy. I agree. And the last honorable mention that – well, I mean, there are hundreds more. But the last oh, one sure. we're going to talk about, well, that I don't think you have played yet. No. It's called Fox in the Forest. So I'm going to just describe this as two-player Euchre with really gorgeous artwork and a little bit of special abilities on some of the cards. And the way you acquire tricks is a little bit different. Because if you take too many, you lose some points. But essentially, thank Euchre with awesome artwork, and that's what this game is. And I don't know if I would like this game because I have grown up playing Euchre, and like we live in the Midwest, and so Euchre is like part of my DNA. And if I'm going to play a game that's like Euchre, I'm probably just going to want to play Euchre, to be honest. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. I agree. But 
some people that's an easy way to introduce a new game to people they understand the euchre mechanic and fox in the forest has that nice kind of next level artwork look to it a couple extra rules so i agree 100 percent. all right so that's our you know top two player only games i know a couple of people were talking about it on the road chat so we wanted to do it as a topic for the podcast. So uh, tell us, what are some of your favorite two-player games that we totally miss? Because we know that there are tons out there and we've only scratched the surface. But like Jason said, for us, since we love heavy Euros, those play really well at two generally. Oh, yeah. I was going to say my list would have been like Lisboa and the Gallerist. <laughs> Grand Austria Hotel, Grand Austria Coimbra. Hotel. <laughs> yeah. All those games are two, but they're not just for two. So that's why they didn't make the list. And so for me, like... That's what really annoys me about a game is if in order to play it at two players, you have to have like a dummy third player. I just yeah, lose my mind. Annoying. I hate that. I know. So I'd rather play a two player only game than at that point. And so these are a couple that we have really enjoyed. And we'd love to hear what you really enjoy playing at two players. Yep. And give us some topics because like Joel always used to say, we are awful at picking out topics. Well, I am. Katie's much better, but... So I've got topics, like three more shows I just thought about like <laughs> yesterday. So, Okay. So after these three shows that Katie has, if you have some topics, shoot us up on the page and we'll probably uh, use one of them. Hence, that's how this one came about. Yeah. And if you're interested in being on uh, the Riveted member like voicemail, let us know. Send us a message. Write it on the Facebook wall, whatever. Because um, we'd love to hear what kind of games you guys are playing. Yep, for sure. All right. So check us out. Uh Keep hanging in there, our Facebook page. Join the Facebook group, The Riveted, if you haven't yet. Lots of good stuff out there. Very supportive. Everyone's so great. Everyone's encouraging. We just love playing games and talking about games. So it's really easy to get in. You just request. There is a question. What game would you play right now? Uh, Even if you don't answer that, Jason will still approve you. (laughs) I will be upset and not approve you. And I'll just wait till Jason approves you. But um. (laughs) Yeah, I'll approve it. (laughs) It's real easy to get into, and we'd love to hear from more of you. Uh, we got YouTube videos going out. I'm trying to be better at putting out videos now. Um, still working through my top 100, so I, I've the first two have been out, and the third one to follow soon. Is that right? The third one has been posted as of this episode dropping. Hey, so my third one is out there. Moving on up through, I think, number 55 of my top 100 list. So if you're interested, check that out. Leave us some comments. And um, you guys are awesome, as always. So thanks, everybody. Uh, That's it for us. I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I always want to make like noises like do 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 like for the in between like to simulate the time when the bumper is going to be there. I mean, you can. It's going to get edited I, out and might become an outtake. So I know, uh, I know.